welcome to the STEM Yard, the official podcast of the North Carolina Science Olympiad. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander, and in this episode, we're starting the first of our two-part series on the former leaders of North Carolina Science Olympiad. Today, I'm interviewing two former Science Olympiad directors, Manly Midget and Jason Painter. Up first is Manly Midget. Manley was a longtime Science Olympiad director and has been a science educator in North Carolina for more than 40 years, recently winning the North Carolina Science Teachers Association Lifetime Achievement Award. Manley, tell us about yourself and your connection to Science Olympiad. Well, my name is Manley Midget, and I've been with the Olympiad a long time. I was one on the original group that started the Olympiad. I went to one of the first ones at Larnberg way back in the uh, seven, late 70s and uh, worked with a group that led the Olympiad as it moved to Catawba College, and I was the state director for 23 years of the Olympiad. As we grew, and got, we got pretty big, and, and I've helped ever since then. I'm the national event leader for Mission Possible, and this year I'm working with uh, the roller coaster event. Tell us a little bit, what is it like being an event leader? Well, gosh, well, I, <laughs> I've run many different events over the years. We had to fill in and, and whatever. And so um, it, it depends on the event. Some events are pretty easy to run. They may be test-like. We don't like to have many that are test-like. But then you have to grade the test. But uh, I prefer the events that are the construction events. The students build something before they come. They test it. They experiment with it. They improve it. And then when they get there, it falls apart because it's like Murphy's Law. You know, things happen. And uh, whatever, but uh, those are the fun events to run. But it's, it, there are a lot of logistics, and the main thing is, uh, the toughest thing is you got to make sure you treat everybody fairly. And sometimes uh, allowing somebody to do something, you might not think much about that, but it, allowing this team to do something is then unfair to all the other teams. So you really have to follow the rules. And and uh, with middle school, I think you have to be a little gentle because sometimes they kind of fall apart on you a little bit. So uh, I like to um, tell them things that they did very well, even though their uh, device might not have worked perfectly. You know, a lot of times they do great things, but then if something fails, they just kind of fall apart about all of it. But it, it's uh, most of the teams do really great things, and you see some wonderful things. It really gets you revved up. Every time I run an event at NC State, this is interesting to me, um, I'll have about 20 young, almost engineers, helping me run my event, Mission Possible. Half of them will come up to me half and will say, I'm in college because of Science Olympiad. I was in middle school. I thought I was smarter than the teacher. I didn't know if school had a lot uh, to to give me, you know, and I was doing some things that weren't great. But then I got tied up in the Science Olympiad and, and just got revved up and it got me excited. And that's why I'm here and going into engineering at NC State. I, I hear that all the time from or or they were from all over the country, not just from North Carolina, but these are students at NC State that have come from all over the country. Tell me that time and time again, that Science Olympiad really turned them on to learning and, and science and STEM. It's so great to hear the connection between Science Olympiad and how that gets students into STEM majors at NC State. Uh, I had this grant with a, a school system in the eastern part of the state that was a very poor school district. And since I had done the magnet school grant when I was a supervisor of science in Wake County, they asked me to come uh, with uh, do this grant and implement um, magnet courses in this particular school system, uh, only a part of the school system, an elementary, a middle, and a high. And we were implementing um, magnet-type courses. And the, and the main purpose was to give students experiences who wouldn't have gotten experiences. They were in a very rural area and limited in the experiences they were getting. So we were trying to 
to give them a whole range of science ex experiences. So we said, hey, why not Science Olympiad? So we went. Uh, this was a fourth through eighth school, but we were concentrating on grades six, seven, eight. So we went into the grades six, seven, and eight, and e at each grade we did two or three activities that matched the state curriculum for that particular grade level. And, you know, Olympiad events are real do-it and hands-on, so they were just loving it. And so we said, look, we're going to start a Science Olympiad Club, and you can stay after school, and we're going to do some other events that might not fit the curriculum quite as well, like engineering events. Well, we're going to build some things, egg drop devices and airplanes and, you know, cars and all kinds of things. And so uh, we told the principal about it at this school, and she said, well, you can't do that. I, I said, are you saying we aren't allowed to do it? She said, no, you, you, you can do it. She said, but they aren't going to stay because they can't get home. Mm. And I asked her, I said, well, being a football coach myself, I had coached football for years before yes. I was in this grant. I said, well, do you have a football team, right? She said, yeah, you have a bunch of players. And because the high school they fed was a really good high school. So football was a big thing. And so, yeah, we got a lot of football players. And I said, well, they get home, right? She said, yeah, they find ways home. I said, how about cheerleaders? Said, oh, yeah, we got a bunch of cheerleaders. They make it home. Yeah. I said, well, let's give this a shot. You know, so the second time we did it we did it we did the first one and word got out and two weeks later we had them stay after school again on a, on a wednesday we had more students staying after school than they did football and cheerleading combined at this school staying to do science olympiad that's amazing and well it was so amazing by the third time the football team had pulled the coach aside and said coach we need to have a meeting he said a meeting about what they said well we need to figure out when we can have practice later because we can't do Science Olympiad right after school if we have football practice. So I thought it was really great that we had an academic type event was kind of nudging football a little, usually it's the other way around, you know. But, That's right. So that was good. And we had two, girl, two girls that were on that team were just special. They really worked and worked and worked, and they had an egg drop device. I think it was an egg drop device that won a medal at a regional. Oh. It's the first time this school had ever gone anywhere. And those girls wore their medal to school every day. They were so proud of their medal. And like cut to 15 years later, I'm doing a workshop in a, a town nearby, and I, one of the teachers looks familiar. I said, "You, I know you. She said, I'm, I'm Fonda. I was in the Science Olympiad group, and, and Lois and I won a medal. And she was a teacher, yes. and she said, Lois is a teacher too. Wow. So both girls became teachers. And this was a district where they might not have been destined to become teachers at some point. They really got turned on to learning and school and helping others and working with the team. And I really feel as though Science Olympiad kind of led them to, to teaching. Really shows you how yeah. special Science Olympiad can be, yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. I want to focus in a little bit. All right. Uh, this year, you're, you mentioned that you're leading certain specific events. Mission possible. We start a different way each year from year to year. We end a different way each year. And we, the task in the middle is easy. It's like a Rube Goldberg thing. But this year, there is a big difference in that event. One big change in mission possible this year is when the students get to the tournament. They've built their device. It's got all these different actions in it. It starts this way. It ends this way. They got to adjust it for time. They have a sand timer in there somewhere. Well, this year, we kind of spin a little wheel and we pick the actions randomly and we have an order. So if they do the actions closer to this order, they get even more points. So they have to redo their machine to think on their feet. So it's not like the parents can build it and they can come and just sit it down and do it, you know. Right. Uh, and that's what we don't want to ha have happen. We want them to know their device. And so they got to restructure it and change it and fix it right there on the spot in front of us and make it work. So that's good. And then the other event, which is a, a, an event this year, is the roller coaster. 
And so the students have to build a roller coaster, and it's not really large, but it, and it has it can have up to two gaps where they can jump. The, the ball can jump across the gap, and there's one that can have a loop in there, and they get more points if it's shorter, which makes it more difficult. Uh, they get more points if it goes close to the time we give them. They don't know how long it's going to take. Mm -hmm. So it could take 30 seconds or 35 or 40 or 40. Five-second increments up to 60 seconds. We can pick one say, okay, 45 seconds. And, of course, everybody's got 45 seconds. And they have to adjust it right there on the spot and make it finish, cross the finish line in 45 seconds. So the closest to 45 seconds, the more points they're going to get. And then they get points for that loop. The bigger the loop is, more points. And the, the further the gap is, they jump, it's more points. That's just one of the seven construction events. I mean, we got cars. You know, they build cars that do all these different things and, and airplanes. And we've had helicopters. We've got uh, bottle rockets and egg drop devices all types of things that we build. And, you know, one, one time I was doing a workshop at Wilmington. It's the first time we ever had the workshop at Wilmington and that we were building cars. And a coach asked me, what has this got to do with science? We were doing this at night. This was a Friday night. And the next morning we were going to compete with the cars for the first hour. So they started building them that night. And the next morning they're going to test them and refine them and whatever. So I said, could you ask me that question at nine o'clock tomorrow morning? She said, Okay. I said, I'm not trying to put you off, but it's important you ask me that question at nine o'clock. And so the next morning, we'd already been working from eight to nine. And at nine, we were about wrapping that event up and we were going to do another one. And I said, okay, time for your question. She said, I ain't got to ask you anymore. Because she could see that we had changed all these variables you had to yes. change. You had to observe, collect data, test something, um, change a variable a little bit and control the change in that variable and then see how that performed and keep doing it until it performance better. So she understood we were using the engineering and the scientific method on, with those cars. Right. And, so. Okay, so you lead me to another question. We know that the students in the competition, they're going to prepare all year. Mm -hmm. How, as an event leader, how long does it take you to prepare an event to have it ready for students? Oh, well, we worked the year before. You know, we worked the year before getting the event and try to get the kinks out of it. They do a summer clinic in the, uh, with Olympiad events in the summer and try it out and see if there are any kinks in the rules and things like that. And so we don't have to make any clarifications. Then we print the rules. And then we, we usually train event leaders during the year. We try to use a lot of times students, college students that have run the event themselves. Um, we were here at this school two years ago, and I had a student that went to UNC from Florida that I had met at Cornell the year before, and she wanted to come help with Mission Possible. And so I said, well, come to the clinic in the last 10 minutes. Why don't you help me? And in the last 10 minutes, I'd like for you to talk to the group and tell them from a student's perspective the little things you did to get better. Well, I introduced her, and the teachers, this was the end of the, that hour, and the teachers were kind of sitting back, not really paying much attention at first. And then I said, um, tell them how you did at the National. She said, oh, we were number one in the nation. <laughs> teachers kind of perked up and said, for way we didn't right. want to hear what she had to say. And she gave him great advice. You know, once the, she's number one in the nation, you know, yes. I said, well, you want to hear what she's got to say. And she was super. And hopefully she'll come back. She helped us last time we ran the event. Maybe she'll come back this year. We still got her in school at UNC, you know, 29 miles away, but we'll take her anyway. We, I guess we've heard of that place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did my undergraduate work there. Oh, all right. A graduate well, work at State. You know, not everybody's perfect. That's, That's all right. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, a, a few more questions about the about events. Uh, when you're about to score an event, how do you do that? How do you go about the process of scoring an event and then sharing that score with the teams? Well, 
one thing that doesn't happen a lot of times, but it should, if you have an event that's got like a test and you have a, a question, it's not just a recall question or a, a fact. We try not to have just fact questions, questions where they have to think on their feet and answer a question. Usually I suggest that when an event leader gives a test like that, has questions like that, that they grade one question at a time. In other words, grade all the papers for that question. That way it can be as fair as possible with the results that they give for that. So that's one thing. But what we do in the construction events is we have a, a score sheet that we've shared with the kids, students all year. I just today, I told them we're going to send it to you right away. Uh, it's a score sheet and we put together the score sheet. So it says, do you have this or this or that? So it has all the specs on it. So if they use that score sheet in preparation, they'll, it'll help them avoid penalties and things like that. And it shows exactly how we count things. And that's what we, we try to do. We try not to have any gray areas, but they always come up with some things. You know, that on the, the best teams really truly are on the edge of the rules. But you, if you're on the edge of the rules, you stand a chance of falling over the edge. Right. You know, and getting disqualified sometimes or, <laughs> or getting set back or in another tier or group. But, the, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained kind of. So they, uh, the ones that really truly are good are on the edge of the rules. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I want to ask one final question. What is, uh, as a volunteer, mm -hmm. what do you take away from your participation with Science Olympiad? And what do you hope that other volunteers might take away from a potential experience with Science Olympiad? Oh, I think, I think the, the excitement, not just the students being excited, but all the great things that they do. You know, you just see these wonderful things that they do in the different events, you know, and I get excited about that. And then last year when we had the uh, tournament at NC State this past spring, I'm, I'm doing Mission Impossible with one of the students. And he says, you taught my mom. I said, what? And I turn around and his mom's right there behind me watching him, you know, on the edge of spectators. And I had taught his mother. And so I thought it was really cool that he was in, in, in the event and I got to see him. So things like that and people coming back, young folks like all the state students helping and getting excited about it. And uh, I think what it, it, Science Olympiad has done is, is it has changed the way a lot of teachers teach. Mm. It's gotten a lot of teachers to do more hands-on in their classroom. And I've really seen it at elementary schools that do it. It's really gotten a lot more hands-on experience in the elementary school. And so, and that usually works its way up. So um I see that it's helped us do great things. We don't just read chapters and answer the questions at the back of the chapter. You know, we get students to think on their feet, and that's our future, you know, the students. So we've got to get them think, be able to think, not just recall and memorize things. I think one of the problems with education uh, in the United States is a lot of times we teach children and we think they're going to tell us back what we said. If they can tell us back what we've said, we think they learned something. No. And students think they learn something. Teachers think that's not true. Uh, they got to be able to use what they've learned to solve problems. Then, you know, they understood. And, and Olympia lets them do that. They got to solve a problem right there on the spot a lot of times, you know. Yeah. Well, Manly, thank, yeah, you, thank you so much for joining us here on the STEM Yard. All right. See you later. Good luck. <laughs>
uh, was introduced to Olympiad by some great friends of mine that were running the Olympiad at that time. And so I ran my first regional tournament, I think back in the year 2000 uh, there and just loved it. I f- fell in love with Science Olympiad at that point. Um, and I moved to the Chapel Hill area uh, a couple years later and got more involved at the state level. And in 2006, I was fortunate to form a partnership with NC State and also get funding through the General Assembly to bring Olympiad to NC State in more of an uh, institutional context to really have a state office that focused on expanding Science Olympiad across the state. And so uh, I did that for many years. In 2012, I became the director of the Science House and um, luckily was able to keep Science Olympiad in the Science House. And in 2020, uh, Science Olympiad became an actual program. It was before a nonprofit, but then it became an actual program of the Science House and NC State University at that time. And so um, I've loved to see it grow and expand and um, just encourage and inspire students of all ages to get excited about careers in science and uh Possibly even come to NC State and get a degree in it. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, little side, you know, ad, uh, what advantage, right, of participating in Science Olympiad and having you be affiliated with the university. Absolutely, and a lot of these kids I'll meet in fifth grade, sixth grade, and then they'll come to NC State and make me feel real old because they're now <laughs> in college. And then luckily we'll get to keep them here, and they'll volunteer for Science Olympiad or even work here at the Science House and help uh, Science Olympiad uh, do its tournaments all across the state. You just described a long history with Science Olympiad. You've been doing this for a while. So what we want to know, what are the changes you that you have seen in Science Olympiad in your time with it? And at the same time, how has Science Olympiad's relationship to STEM in general changed over that time? Well, you know, I think over the years, Science Olympiad has become more important of a tool so many things have changed quickly. There's been so many advances in technology. And what I love about Olympiad is the opportunity for kids that are academic to be involved in an academic competition in a team environment. And in, a, in an age where there's um, a lot of focus on phones <laughs> and a lot of students walking around on phones, I think there's more of a need for interactions of, of students. And that's what Olympiad provides. And so that team environment, those important relationships that they build with their teachers, that they build with their mentors, uh, and then that they get to build with faculty members and graduate students and undergraduate students on college campuses is so critical to their development. And so I've actually, there's been lots of changes over the years, but I think the changes in culture and the changes in the way that kids interact with one another um, has been a huge jump. And so then I see the importance of something like Science Olympiad and how critical it is for teachers as a tool to get kids involved in hands-on inquiry-based science that is also takes on the um, kind of a competitive edge uh, as these kids come and get to see kids from all over the state competing in similar events and activities. No, that sounds amazing. And it makes me wonder, you have seen so many events, you've been to so many tournaments, what is your favorite moment from Science Olympiad through the years? That's a really tough question. Um, I've had a lot of favorite moments. And, uh, you know, I don't think I could pick one. 
Um, and well, I'll, I'll pick one just because I think it's fun for kids. But, you know, I've, I've been the national event supervisor for Bottle Rocket mm. uh, for many years. And so I've got to see a lot of Bottle, bottle Rockets. Can um, you describe that event for us? Yeah. So Bottle Rocket is you, you take a two liter, one liter uh, carbonated beverage bottle and you uh, figure out how can I make this this bottle rocket? We call it a bottle rocket. There's a pressure chamber that's that's the two liter. And then you design it to fly as high as possible and stay in the air as long as possible. You know, and so you could do that with a parachute. And so at one of these national events, one of these parachutes, it was a hot day that day. And there was a lot of people out outside. Bottle Rocket's a very much a, a audience-friendly event. It's fun <laughs> to watch. Because um, it's fun to see both the ones that are successful and the ones that aren't so successful. Right. Um, but th- on this one particular occasion, they blasted this rocket. This parachute just came out beautifully. Like, it was, it was just, I mean, it just... I mean, just think about the most beautiful jellyfish in the ocean when it expands. It was like this. It just poof. And it went up and up, almost like a helium balloon. You know, when you're watching a helium balloon and it goes up and up and up until you can't see it anymore. Yeah. This is what happened with that bottle rocket. We finally stopped timing at 22 minutes <laughs> and we could no longer see it anymore. Wow. I never, I don't really know whatever happened to that bottle rocket. It may still be flying to this day, but um, <laughs> the uh, amazement of the crowd and the kids and the excitement, it's, it's a very memorable moment. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you see as we move into this new era of Science Olympiad? We we just had uh, a big change to Science Olympiad during the COVID years, uh, and now we're back to more in-person events. So what do you see as the biggest challenge facing Science Olympiad moving back into in-person events? I don't know if it's a challenge. I think I see it more as, as an opportunity to really get schools back involved in something that they once loved. I think teachers are really tired. I think students are tired. I think the last few years uh, with the pandemic took a lot out of them. And we've got to figure out a way how to better support our teachers and our students to do highly engaging STEM activities. And I think Science Olympiad is a great example of that. It's not the only example. But schools need to understand how important it is for students to be involved in STEM experiences that open their minds to the different areas and disciplines of science. And I think we could get stuck in your school or in your classroom and you don't get out and get to see what Science Olympiad offers. And so I think the challenge is going to be convincing teachers and students of the value of Olympiad and why it was important in the first place. And so I think encouraging principals, encouraging uh, teachers to come try it again. You know, uh, and I, I know it could be seen as something that's an add-on, something else that I have to do. Um, and I just hope schools will say, hey, we owe our students this to give them an opportunity to participate in something that is such a meaningful, valuable experience for them. And I'm not talking about the tournaments. I'm talking about the team experience. I'm talking about the working hard to accomplish a goal type of experience that we have to have our kids you know, involved in. And so... I think the hardest thing is going to be getting teachers to want to do it again and, and students because um, we've been sitting in our, our, uh, 
our classrooms or sitting in our rooms on, you know, doing online school. Right. And uh, and so there's still some fear there with uh, COVID. But I hope that that teachers and, and students will, will jump back in, dive back into science. Olympiad. Well, I think the folks listening to you today probably feel a lot better about it. You, you gave some inspiring words there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> so we have one final question for you here in the STEM yard. All right. If there's a student out there who says, what you do sounds awesome. You get to go to tournaments. You get to, you know, play with science toys. You get to build events. How do I get to where you are? How do I do that? Well, if you love education, I would encourage you to consider, one, um, working hard in wherever you are, in your classroom, in your after-school club, in your job, whatever it is, give it your full. Um, you know, work hard, have great character, show up, uh, be available. And that could be in your your sport, that could be in your, your club, that could be in whatever it is you're doing. Do it to the best of your ability. And then, uh, you know, decide that you're going to major in science or a cool field uh, in technology or engineering or math or any of these research fields where it's just so many amazing things. We think we've discovered everything there is to discover. We've just scratched the surface. There's so many exciting things to research and to, to explore and to ask questions about. And so I hope kids with that sort of uh, mindset will consider a degree in STEM. And even better if you consider a, a career in STEM education. And that's what I did. I went and I taught at a high school and um, it was kind of a weird path that I took, you know, and <laughs> got involved in Science Olympiad at a, a fairly young age. Um, but there are plenty of kids out there now involved in, in at their college. They stayed involved in Olympiad or their robotics club or whatever it is. And you can follow your passion. You know, my passion at the time was education, specifically science education. And so I followed that. So what Whatever it is you're passionate about and you enjoy doing, you should do and make it make a living out of it. You can do that. I've seen it happen many times. So I would encourage that. But ultimately, it's about being dependable, being available and being excited about whatever it is that you decide to pursue. All right. Follow your passion. What a great message to leave from. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Jason Painter, director of the Science House at North Carolina State University and former director of North Carolina Science Olympiad. Thanks for joining us here in the STEM yard. Thank you so much. I look forward to coming back anytime. Anytime. All right. We're going to hold you to it. All right. The STEM yard is a production of the Science House at North Carolina State University. Our show is produced by Valerie Bass with assistance from the North Carolina Science Olympiad. We're supported by funding from the Backyard Foundation. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander. Catch us again in the STEM yard, where science is our playground. <laughs>